Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to 321 No Kidding. Bobby the Awesome here. Happy to be back with you. Uh, lots of changes since we spoke last. And um, yeah, I'm sure they'll unfold as we go along. But for now, I really want to continue to work on this recovering anonymous out of this recovering couples anonymous book. I think that I need a dose of it and it looks like it was well received. So uh, that's what we're going to spend time on. And we're going to pick up on step four, which is made a searching and fearless moral inventory of our relationship together as a couple. So the book suggests that recovery couples look at their individual behavior how it relates to the coupleship. That's such a weird word. Um, You can share your individual inventories and then take inventory on the relationship. The goal is to gain awareness to the extent of the dysfunction. Now, I don't know if you're listening because you're in a recovery relationship or you're in recovery and the other person isn't or vice versa. So again, this book is about couples that are both in recovery and moving forward. So just keep that in mind as we go along. When a couple is able to face their reality, honestly, they can grow in their love. So here are some questions to help in the individual inventory. And I guess you could use the regular 12-step book too for inventory. But number one, unfinished business. In what ways have I failed to raise issues with my partner, letting those unresolved issues build resentments? Now, I am not a fan of resentments, uh, but I have done this myself personally. I, I've decided in my head at times what is worth uh, talking about and what isn't and thinking that things are not a big deal. But then through time, as I don't talk about those things, they start collecting and adding up. So you want to always try to communicate whenever there's an issue. And it it also helps small issues get handled before they grow into something huge. Uh, Hypervigilance is number two. In what ways have I looked for things to go wrong? This is another one. And I think that this one goes deeper, at least from my experience, when we look for things to go wrong, it may have something to do with how you perceive your self-worth. Maybe it's a great partner, but we don't feel like we deserve their love because we're just not in that place in our recovery yet. Or maybe we're a catastrophizer or a sabotager. And if we make something go wrong, then we can go back to using Self-responsibility, number three. In what ways have I failed to take responsibility for my actions? So in the world that I live in now with the Grant Cardone mentality, this is, and I just actually read a book from Louise Hay that talks about this as well. So taking responsibility for our actions. There's two sides to this. The one side is the Louise side, which is, about maintaining our own approval and power, right? Like we can't say somebody made us feel that way. 
we take responsibility for our feelings and our reactions when dealing with other people. Now, the Grant way is a little bit more uh, in our in our face, but taking responsibility for everything. Still the same thing is not giving up control. <laughs> but for this, for example, when we were going through all our junk late spring and early summer, it was really hard for me to take responsibility when it felt like everybody else's actions were leading to my misery. But where I could have took responsibility was how I handled it. Maybe I didn't need to be the caretaker or the decision maker or the run back and forth from New York to Connecticut and, you know, going through all of that. I could have took responsibility for that. Um, sometimes, you know, our values may get tricky with that, but we should be taking responsibility in all that we do. Comfort and feelings is number four. In what way have I not shared uncomfortable feelings with my partner? So I think that this is kind of like unfinished business as well. I know the the last person I was with, I when something was uncomfortable, I I pause and and then almost stutter. So we always knew that it was uncomfortable what was coming. Uh, so we kind of made it a little bit of a joke, but. You need the other person to be a safe place for you to be able to talk about those things that make you uncomfortable. And if that's not part of your relationship, that might be a topic you want to explore. Number five, accuracy and honesty. In what ways have I placated my partner or avoided sharing my own perception? So being full honest, being transparent, I think accuracy is tricky. Accuracy is tricky when it comes to a relationship because what may be accurate or honest or my truth may look very different than my partner's truth. And you might run into this. Uh, I've been in a position where I think I'm doing something maybe loving, you know, like, okay, something isn't isn't working and I have to tell you about this and I think I'm doing it out of love so that it could be addressed but if the recipient is defensive it's not gonna it's not gonna work it's not gonna land so I think there's a timing piece to this too it's not just about being accurate but also as you start having these conversations you learn that your truth isn't their truth through the conversation instead of assuming or blaming. So it helps to integrate that number three of the self-responsibility. Number six is connection. In what ways have I not been available to my partner? In what ways have I sought to connect? I relate to this one too so much. As someone who seems to always be in long-distant relationships for the most part, there is there is ways to feel disconnected in miles in that case, but also even in the same room. And this is something I noticed back in the fall. I was at uh, my my person's house, I guess, and I felt disconnected in ways that from communication, uh, from from behavior, I could tell that we weren't as connected as we had been leading up to that. And it's something to address because 
the second part, in what ways have I sought to connect? You know, we have to, again, these all build on each other. I love it. We have to, we have to call it out, right? That's the honesty and accuracy part and, and maybe the uncomfortable of sharing and then taking responsibility. So if I don't feel connected, I need to say I don't feel connected and then try to fix that. And like one of my strategies was, I don't feel connected. And I said it, you know, that, that way. And in this particular dynamic that I'm in, once the connection goes, it starts turning into a complete shit show uh, where we can't get reeled back into that connected place or that, that place of ease. So I would stress that connection is one of those maybe priorities because with if you're connected and you can be honest and you can share your feelings and go through that and still stay connected or at least be able to identify when you're connected and not so that you can go repair it, I think that that helps for long-term success. Stress. In what ways have my overextension and stress affected my partner? That's number seven. And this again is something else I can relate to. So with all all the family stress that I had going on this year and, and work stress and just stress. We tend to go to our partners to download, right? That's our, at least for me, my safe place. And if I'm stressed and challenged with taking care of myself, like self-care, for example, I wasn't podcasting, which is very clearly part of my my self-care. I wasn't podcasting. I wasn't meditating. I wasn't doing a lot of the practices with the stress. Instead, I counted on my, my partner and it wasn't fair because they, you know, especially with someone else in recovery, we want to keep things open and fluid. However, I think I could have done a better job of being mindful of their recovery instead of it just being about mine. And if, if I was him, I would be taking responsibility and saying, you know, okay, maybe I didn't tell you that your stress was stressing me out in a way that was, you know, setting me back mentally or with their self-care. So this can work on both sides. Separateness, number eight. In what ways have I developed a separate life from my partner? Now, I don't think that having a separate life in like social... For example, like maybe one is on a girls golf league and the other is on a, a mass, you know, a male golf league or not to be stereotypical about um, about role gender roles or anything like that. But maybe it's maybe it's something that's different. Maybe one likes golf and one likes bowling. Um, so this having the different time away and the separateness can be a good thing. The way that it asks this question in here, what ways have I developed a separate life from my partner? I wonder if we have to be mindful of exclusion. Can't really talk so good today. So if it has to do with exclusion and we're living separate, that's when things can get a little tricky. So I think the communication piece comes in really handy so that one or the other doesn't feel left behind by this separateness. I love these questions. These are great questions to be talking about and thinking about as a recovery couple. Personal needs. 
in what way has my partner needed to guess or <laughs> been expected to know my needs? Have I clearly asked for those needs to be met? This is a this is an area of opportunity I know for me. It's really hard to ask for help, especially in recovery. At least for me. Maybe it's my personality, maybe it's because of my recovery, like I want to be invincible and independent and I want to do it all. But sometimes we need to ask for help. Because the, if the burden drags us down and we go back to the bed or to the uh, drink or the whatever the things are, then we're not taking care of our personal needs. And oh, by the way, if we're not taking care of ourselves, it's really hard to be in a relationship because we can't take care of the relationship. Number 10, shaming and blaming. In what ways have I sought to shame or blame my partner? The first words that popped in my head as I read that is passive aggressive. Uh, I, I think whether it's talk or text or whatever, it's really easy to slide things in and and do that blame game. And blame doesn't help anything, guys. It doesn't matter, at least in my opinion, it doesn't matter whose fault it is. What matters is who's doing the work and who's trying to you know, opt in to be connected, to be honest, to work through and navigate the the stress together. So be mindful. Making someone else feel bad does not feel good. It just doesn't. And if you if you're hurt or you're feeling some kind of way and you can't um communicate maybe without the venom or without the passive aggressive or without the shame or the blame. Maybe it's as simple as, hey, I need to step away because I can't do this right now and be like, I can't. And I've said this, I can't show up as a good person right now because my emotions are flooding me. Now I'm in control of my emotions, but sometimes it doesn't feel that way. So I need to raise my hand and do that. Number 11, pain thresholds. In what way have I tolerated Emotional pain that was unnecessary and caused distance from my part. This one is a sticking point for me. Tolerating emotional pain that was unnecessary and causing distance. I have to do a better job, and this is me personally, of raising my hand when I'm feeling emotional pain. Because I, again, my belief system says that if we're in a relationship or someone loves us, they're not looking to harm us or hurt us or make us feel bad or cause emotional pain, but sometimes it's a byproduct of the relationship. And as as addicts, quite frankly, especially if it's two addicts as a recovering couple, it's going to be hard. There's a lot of characteristics, which is why it's important to do step four independently, a lot of characteristics that could make it really difficult to be in a relationship, a healthy relationship, which is why I think this is such an important topic because there is the individual and then there is the recovering together pieces of this. So you can only control what you can control. So I would suggest taking the responsibility so that you're not hurting and causing emotional pain and then also taking responsibility to commute communicate when you are in pain. And number 12, 
Choice clarity. In what ways have I been unclear about my choices, leaving things undecided or up to my partner? I wonder if this has to do with the silly old, you know, when it's time to pick pick dinner and she says, I don't care, it's up to you. And, and then you pick a place and, oh, I don't like that. <laughs> you know, the undecided part. Again, depending on the level of commitment, and I'm guessing that if you're doing recovery work together, there's a pretty big level of commitment. I'm hoping that you have at least a year's sobriety before entering a relationship. If it's new, especially if it's, if it's an older one, um, it, there's, there's probably a bigger learning curve because they only know us as addicts if we've been with them before the journey started. Like, I don't know what my ex-husband would do with me now if he knew me as not a gambler, you know, and, and had to live with me and deal with me that way. And I still haven't drank yet. So even that, our nights out where we used to go to the bar or drinking was part of our habits, you know, he might not know that because this is the the newer version of me. Um, this... <laughs> this was another uh, another pain point for me recently with being unclear about my choices. Now, my person started doing um, things that I didn't agree with, substances in their body, um, for a long-term long-term solution or whatever. Like I, I understand when there's pain, but with addiction, uh, being so rampant, like, I don't know that I want a partner, for example, that drinks. I I don't know. I haven't decided really yet what that looks like in the future. Um, but this last one, I, I did draw that line in the sand because I don't think it's part of being healthy. And, And that was part of the honesty and the stress and the disconnect, right? If, if we're drinking and partying, we're not connected, um, at least not more than on the surface. So if I made a choice to never drink again and I didn't tell my partner, or I made a choice to never gamble again and then I start dating someone who gambles all the time, like those are not going to be successful relationships. I don't know how they could be successful because they're, they start out with like a crooked foundation. It's really hard to build a house on. So, so those are the 12 categories for taking inventory together, um, writing them down and then reading them out loud with, with some safety guidelines. And tomorrow or my next show, whenever we will talk about some questions to answer as a couple also as part of this step four. But for now, I think I would take I'll, I'll read them one more time. I think I would take a piece of paper and and maybe just journal on your perception of you because you can only control you. So don't don't take your partner's inventory. Just take your inventory and think about these 12 things. So unfinished business, what what haven't you said and are you harboring resentment? Hyper vigilance, are you looking for things to go wrong? Self responsibility taking responsibility for your actions. Number four, comfort and feelings. Are you, are you sharing the, 
the icky feeling stuff or are you just burying those feelings? Because, you know, me and my bucket, I would hate to uh, bury those feelings and then not have room for positivity in our bucket. Number five, accuracy and honesty. Number six, connection. Uh, Number seven, stress. Number eight, separateness. Uh, You know, what ways have you developed a separate life from your partner? Nine is personal needs. Uh, do, do you know your own personal needs and are you sharing them with your partner? Shaming and blaming. Have you been doing that? If you have, stop. I highly recommend you stop. Uh, pain thresholds. Are you hanging on to emotional pain that you shouldn't be uh, that's causing distance from your partner? And then choice clarity. So... Have you made decisions? Are you unclear about your own choices? Explore that, what what choice clarity looks like for you. And when we come back, we'll dig into some more questions. And um, yeah, guys, it's really good to be back. I have missed you. I've missed sitting here. I'm probably stumbling a little bit because I'm out of practice. But it is good to be back. And I will try to make this a better routine. I'm currently staying at mom's so I don't have complete control of the level of noise or quiet in my house I'm I'm in a a different kind of relationship being back home with mom after uh so many so many years of not being and so many more years of being alone so all right beautiful people I hope that you're back joining me and I will talk to you soon thanks